Chapter Fifteen of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: Where Marines Make Presidents, Part Three. Ten. Managua of late has gone in for sports. The Marines have taught the natives to box and to play baseball. In the latter game, the Nicaraguan boys invariably defeat their mentors. In boxing, they still have much to learn, but they are promising. The newspapers write up the events with a Latin American flavor. In the advertisement of a baseball match, the public is advised not to miss a wonderful sporting event, colossal stealing of bases, lightning-like flight of ball from pitcher to catcher, formidable blows of the bat, thrilling to the emotions do not miss it do not miss it to the field on sunday at the ten of the morning to the field baseball is firmly established boxing has long been opposed in latin america as a brutal amusement suitable only to gringos but it has gained much popularity since the advent of firpo one sunday afternoon i drifted out to the field to see the local champions there was a rickety grandstand but the ring stood far away from it in the centre of a bare pasture if one wished a ringside seat one could take a camp chair and move it wherever we pleased everyone started back in the shade of the stand and edged his seat forward as the shadows lengthened finally reaching the ring in time for the final bout the promoter acted as introducer and referee he was a prominent local politician a large stout gentleman in a big leather sombrero he commenced with two diminutive urchins who knew nothing of boxing they fought so gamely that they were fagged before the end of the first round but they struggled through three of them obtaining additional rest while the promoter explained that they must not kick or bite and then returning to the fray to put both hands together and shove them toward the adversary's face next came two older boys then two full-grown men one barefoot one in shoes and silk shirt the barefoot one a wild-looking indian with dark face and long hair had evidently learned his strategy by watching gamecocks he kept edging sideways as though he did not see the other fellow he would start his swing by winding up like a baseball pitcher the other could always see it coming and leap aside but it was an unwieldy swing and the other invariably jumped into it until his silk shirt was crimson the spectators were delighted they could not appreciate science but they recognized blood when they saw it and screamed their approval the indian won then came the semi-finals and the finals here the participants were trained to some extent but they were handicapped by latin vanity they were constantly posing before the crowd between the rounds instead of resting they would turn to their admirers to make a speech he got me by accident last time but i'll show you something when the bell rings if one were knocked to the floor instead of taking his count of nine even when he sadly needed it he would leap immediately to his feet determined to redeem himself in the eyes of his followers or one of them having backed the other against the ropes and pummeled him to a pulp would forego his advantage to listen to the applause but these men were fighters the old phrase the fistless latin is rapidly becoming obsolete 
these scrappers never stalled or clenched to save themselves or to gain time they fought harder than any american pugilist and they had infinite courage in the final bout one youth was greatly outweighed his opponent cut his eye in the very first round so that he was almost blinded even the nicaraguan spectators much as they loved gore suggested that the battle should stop but the little fellow insisted on continuing he was beaten into a bloody mess knocked down again and again pounded until it became a torture but he never wavered the moment he gained his feet he rushed forward courageously for additional punishment with a fortitude that no anglo-saxon could surpass in many phases of life these people acquit themselves as poor sportsmen especially in their politics but they are learning sportsmanship after all is not a hereditary virtue but one acquired through experience what american cannot recall the many squabbles that marked his earliest boyhood ventures into athletics it is only by training that one learns to abide by the decision of an umpire i was rather amazed to notice that not one of the nicaraguan boxers contested the decision of the referee eleven the one american resident that the managua newspapers do not occasionally attack is the marine some years ago one periodical published an editorial accusing the legation guard of general misconduct whereupon the soldiers promptly wrecked its plant no such accusations have been repeated there are about a hundred and fifty marines in managua they are the cleanest cut body of young men that i had ever seen anywhere there was no drunkenness among them no rough house no swaggering or bullying attitude toward the natives no tendency to pick a fight with the local police the only difficulty we ever have said the american minister john e Rahmer, is that now and then one of them falls in love with a nicaraguan senorita the lad might be able to support her in her accustomed luxury here but he couldn't do it at home consequently for the best interests of both parties the officers if they see it coming try to cheat cupid by transferring the man to another post the barracks are situated on the outskirts of town the men are well quartered with drill grounds club baseball diamond moving picture theatre and tennis courts and so completely comfortable that a nicaraguan president paying a visit to the camp once threw up his hands in astonishment with the exclamation your privates live like generals adjacent to their cantonment is that of the nicaraguan soldiers i strolled over to the native barracks one day with corporal landy the legation orderly hello you bandits he greeted them and all the nicaraguans grinned these devils he explained to me in spanish that they might hear never have any drill or fatigue or anything else to do except to sit around and watch us sweat and they all chuckled good-humouredly as though they liked it very casually he took the gun away from a native sentry to show me the rust upon it and that cannon they have there if you were to fire it would turn a somersault and land on its back they talked together on friendly terms about the night last year when a revolution was expected each had the other covered with machine-guns in case of an emergency they laughed about it now and each assures the other i was aiming straight at you that night i attended an inspection one saturday morning 
the rochester previously at amapala had reached corinto and admiral dayton came up to inspect the troops there was a close-ordered drill then extended order then fire call and finally the call to arms wherein every man took the post he would take in case of actual fighting in managua the bugle rang out there was a scurrying of machine-gunners to the various emplacements about the barracks down by the front entrance the sallying party formed to charge with fixed bayonets through the streets of managua just across the line the nicaraguan troops sat cross-legged on the ground and grinned appreciatively as though they felt that this was an exhibition staged for their personal entertainment they themselves were never called upon to practice for such emergencies when the marines first did it some years ago the native soldiers had all scurried back into the barracks to get their own guns while an anxious presidential voice came over the telephone wire to the american legation demanding what's the matter in your camp your marines are running about like madmen are they declaring war upon us they soon assembled again and marched back to the barracks while the band played dixie and the stars and stripes floated in the breeze this whole occupation because of its aspect and foreign eyes was a thing that might be deplored but what yankee in a far-away land would not be thrilled at the sight twelve it is natural that the nicaraguan resents american intervention there exists in the latin american's character a combination of inefficiency and pride which induces the inferiority complex his inefficiency sometimes leads him into a muddle from which he is unable to extricate himself he invites the foreigner to help him out then his pride asserts itself he resents the fact that he has been obliged to call upon the foreigner he proceeds thereupon to damn him during my stay in managua the rumour circulated about an ever-recurrent rumour there that the marines were to be withdrawn inside of an hour the american legation was filled with diplomats from foreign countries and merchants who owned property in nicaragua all anxious to know if the rumour were true all fearful of the destructive revolution that would follow overnight all eager to protest against the withdrawal of the much-abused gringos in the crowd were many nicaraguans who had been loudest in their condemnation of the united states thirteen like most persons with the inferiority complex the latin american is extremely sensitive he resents even more than the humiliation of gringo assistance the assumption of loftier worth which usually characterizes the anglo-saxon this assumption to us is often quite unconscious if we are aware of our national self-satisfaction most of us try to hide it when travelling in the southern republics our diplomats and businessmen seek valiantly to proclaim our great admiration of our neighbors it has become the fashion in our writing to promote an entente cordiale by flattering the people of these countries the charming woman writer in particular who makes a brief trip to the more modern cities of chile and the argentine meets only the aristocracy and completes her book as a bread-and-butter letter to the delightful people who fed her tea and cakes is inclined nowadays in her impulse to jolt out of his complacency the reader at home to picture all the latin americans as infinitely superior to our own crude selves yet all of us even though we may have acquired a strong affection for our friends of the southland still consider ourselves their peers 
we know that every gringo is not to be ranked above every latin american but we are confident that man for man lawyer for lawyer doctor for doctor soldier for soldier farmer for farmer the anglo-saxon usually surpasses his counterpart in physique intelligence education ability and character if not in refinement the latin american himself is aware of the contrast he may and sometimes does voluntarily admit it but he is naturally a trifle resentful when the gringo by word or action reminds him of it we remind him quite frequently the most considerate traveller will lapse unintentionally at times into an attitude of condescension our kindly churchgoers at home contribute their pennies to missionary enterprises in order that he may be educated and uplifted and as though this were not the supreme height of international insult however much he may actually need education and uplift we appoint ourselves the policemen of the continent take him under our paternal wing and threaten to spank him if he misbehaves we assume that he should appreciate our kindliness and love us as the big brother we consider ourselves to be on the contrary he not only dislikes us as a nation but distrusts our motives he looks upon us and frequently with good cause as hypocrites who pat him upon the back as a prelude to selling him american products in our missionary efforts he sees only a colossal national vanity in the application of our monroe doctrine he scents an ambition for the conquest of his country to the average american this last statement may sound ridiculous when we promulgated that doctrine we thought only of europe it was later when we realized that european nations might disregard it unless their citizens or property were protected in latin america that we undertook to supervise the conduct of our neighbors wars and revolutions our ambitions for conquest at present are purely commercial but there are several incidents in our past history which these little republics remember with foreboding they remember for instance that we fought with mexico about texas and emerged victorious with arizona utah nevada and california they feel that there is something a little funny in the way panama started its revolution against columbia just about the time we wished to build the panama canal they question our philanthropic motives in nicaragua they are always wondering where the lightning may strike next so firmly convinced are most of our neighbors that we are what they always describe us as the grasping colossus of the north that when our government exercises forbearance they merely suspect us of cowardice when woodrow wilson for many years let mexico literally get away with murder his idealism was misunderstood for a time latin america looked upon the united states as a braggart that never executed its repeated diplomatic threats carranza the special protege of our state department posed before the neighboring presidents as a guardian of latin american rights and had envoys touring the southern continent in an effort to align guatemala nicaragua colombia chile argentina and other countries in a secret entente against the united states personally i dislike our meddling in latin american affairs it seems to me that it should be any government's privilege to run a revolution in its own country if it so chooses but there are many gringos in all these republics who came there in accordance with local constitutional guarantees and sometimes at the invitation of the government itself who must be protected 
if we do not occasionally step in europe will latin america with the exception of the few nations which conduct their elections in peace expects it the latin american resents it but he despises us when we abstain if we are to uphold our prestige however we must apply our foreign policies whatever they may be to all republics consistently we never know just what to expect from your government a supreme court justice said to me in honduras you tell us again and again for instance that you will recognize only a constitutionally elected president who gains office without force yet to-day you have recognized nine latin american presidents who did gain office by force these were the presidents of peru bolivia venezuela nicaragua salvador honduras guatemala santo domingo and mexico and you tell us also continued the justice that at all times we must protect american property if we of the little countries do not you immediately send down your gunboats in nicaragua two american filibusters convicted of murder are executed and presently you take over the entire country in mexico during many revolutions countless americans are slain and much property damaged and you content yourselves with writing notes to us of the little countries it all seems very unfair as to the recognition of latin american presidents heaven help the state department to apply a consistent rule when so few are legitimately elected but as to the protection of american property there can be but one right course either it is not worth protecting or it is whether it be in nicaragua or mexico practically all central americans to-day although too polite to voice their opinion look upon us as something of a bully who picks on the weaker republics fourteen that they are so friendly despite their fancied grievances is a tribute to the natural kindliness of these people even in nicaragua although the press may attack the gingo the people as a whole are cordial to any individual american who will meet them halfway i went home last year said one of the old-timers i'd been here for ten years but no one in my own town seemed to make much of a fuss over me they just shook hands and remarked let's see you've been away haven't you but when i came back and stepped off the train in managua every porter and coachman on the platform recognized me the bootblacks grinned all over their dirty brown faces and my neighbors all came hurrying to my house to hug me and slap me on the back and make those funny gurgling noises that was my real homecoming End of chapter fifteen part three